Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you plant it, mow it, or grow it, they know it. Now, more of Rick, Doug, and Christy and the Flowerland Garden Show on Wood Radio. Friends across the fruited and rooted plain, wake up, wake up. It's Saturday morning. Thank you very much for tuning us in here on your Saturday morning as you're out and about, maybe shopping, working in the yard, wherever you may be, driving around in your car. Thanks for tuning us in. It's the Flowerland Show. Rick Doug Christie on your Saturday morning. Engineer, award winning, may I add. Engineer, producer, extraordinaire, John Ilk. He's at the controls and behind the glass. There she is. How are you, Dusty? It's great to see you. Dusty Miller behind the glass. Good morning. Good morning. Here we go. Ho, ho, ho. Doug Christie, good morning. Good morning. How are you? You guys were in harmony there. Very yeah. well done. We practiced. That, yeah. <laughs> took hours to sync that up. <laughs> that was our show prep this week. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I always say this show is not scripted. Uh, no script. No. Nope. Do it all without a net. Maybe just a few shrubs down below to catch our fall when we fall. And we will fall. Yep. It's the Flowerland Show. Your Saturday morning. Great show lined up. And by the way... I noticed breaking news here. Uh, Let me pull this up here a minute. Unscripted. We always talk about Brussels sprouts. Did you have Brussels sprouts Thursday? No. Did you guys have Brussels sprouts? No. (laughs) Nine. John did not either. Wow. Well, did you? uh, I had Brussels. You did. Yeah. Somebody had to pay the price. Actually, I had green bean casserole. So Yum. Did I. It was delicious. It's delicious. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, I noticed that, you know, a lot of talk the past week or so about President Biden uh, releasing fuel from uh, our reserve in Canada. In Canada, the Quebec maple syrup producers uh, announced they're releasing about 50 million pounds of its strategic maple syrup reserve which is about half the stockpile. Really? So it must be a lot of people had mm. Brussels sprouts with maple syrup. <laughs> I didn't even know there was a strategic oh just maple doing breakfast syrup, again. syrup reserve. I didn't either. Did they put that on the ground too? <laughs> I, I have no idea what they do with it. I have yeah, no where idea. do they store it? That's kind of a gross thought. Anyhow, 616-774-2424. You can put it in the refrigerator, it gets all crystally and sugary on top. <laughs> 
is our number. But right off the bat Maybe this morning, mind. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, like, if you which ever, we have a few at Grand Rapids, right, where right. they store stuff, nice and like chilly beer, down there, right, and exactly. produce and legal documents. Beer? They store beer down there. <laughs> yeah, founders. Okay. Burl, oh. Okay. Everybody focus. Oh, oh. Everybody focus. Come Wave the here. shiny thing. Wave the shiny thing <laughs> so we just, know where to look. <laughs> in just a few moments, we're going to talk about chestnuts. The timing is perfect to talk about chestnuts. We have a lot of chestnut mm -hmm. growers in Michigan, a very important crop. And uh, the American chestnut tree has an unbelievable history. I mean, Native Americans, it was a very important tree to them. And uh, that tree is... Part of one of the uh, the biggest, I'm going to call it environmental disasters hmm. in the U.S. Uh, estimates of three to four billion trees killed uh, in the early 1900s. And we're going to talk to Roger Blackwell uh, about chestnuts here in just a few moments. And we're going to roast some chestnuts over an open fire. So there you have it. So I get to start a fire. Yes, no fires. No fires in the studio, Christy. You just said we could roast chestnuts over an open fire. You lied to me. We're going to take a break here on the Flowerland Show so we can start roasting some chestnuts. It's Rick, Doug, Christy, Dusty, John here in the studio for your Saturday morning. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. You guys didn't have Brussels sprouts. Did you have turkey? No, actually, we had roast. We had beef roast. You had beef roast. Sirloin beef roast. It was delicious. That sounds good. It was very good. Delicious. I spared a turkey's life. I'm like the president. I pardoned turkey this year. He was frozen in a cooler, but I pardoned him. Okay. That's why we did two, just one for you. <laughs> Thank you. We'll take a break here on the Flowerland Show. Roger Blackwell next. We'll talk chestnuts. Coming up here on the Flowerland Show. Stay tuned. Santa came to say. These guys have been decomposing for years. The Flowerland Garden Show is playing live on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. All through the year we've waited, waited through spring. We've been waiting so long. Good morning, it's the Flowerland Show. we got a tremendous show lined up for you this morning. Rick Weiss here. Doug Christie, seated alongside here on the Flowerland Show. Make sure to visit myflowerland.com. There you go. They're tasty. Jack The Flowerland Show. Uh, visit myflowerland.com. Check out the blog information there. And look for Flowerland in social media, too. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the pages, Flowerland Show... I posted a picture of Everybody Santa with a little indigestion. What did you do to him? He told me that uh, Rick, Doug, and Christy give him indigestion from time to time. Secretly, he told me it's not me. <laughs> Does that mean we're on the naughty list? We're on the naughty uh -oh. list. Yeah. <laughs> with their eyes all Santa and I have a deal about his reindeer. I'm always on the nice list. <laughs> Or else. <laughs> All right. With us on the live line this morning is uh, Roger Blackwell. Roger Blackwell uh, is a expert on chestnuts. As a matter of fact, he's a grower and president of, uh, of a co-op, Chestnut Growers, Inc. Roger, good morning and thanks for joining us here on the Flowerland Show. Good morning, Rick, and uh, thank you very much. Great time of the year to be talking about chestnuts and 
You know, a lot of people don't realize it, but chestnuts uh, contain vitamin C. They're lower in fat than other nuts, and they contain uh, they contain some starch like a potato. So it was, some people called it the bread tree in certain regions of the world. Roger, this tree was very a very important staple to people's diets at one time in America, wasn't it? Yes, it was. They call it the grain that grows on trees, and uh, it's a, Chestnut is a complex carbohydrate, and basically it's uh, starch, and then when uh, it falls from the tree, uh, we put it in the coolers or in a cool area, and uh, the starches start to convert to sugars, and that's where the sweetness comes in for the edible chestnut. Yeah, for many people, uh, if they had a poor growing year or the crop was not... uh was not very good or there was poor weather, Roger, uh, having a chestnut tree in the yard was more than important. It was, in some cases, life-saving. Yes, it could be. Yep, yep. Usually you'd want at least two chestnut trees to pollinate each other. Um, it, it kind of, it's windblown cross-pollination type situation for the chestnuts, but yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. So, uh, and we're chatting with Roger Blackwell. He is a grower and uh, a grower of chestnut trees and president of the co-op Chestnut Growers, Inc. Roger, uh, real briefly, just share with us, uh, you know, I mentioned deadliest epidemic to reach the American shores as far as uh, plant material is concerned. I had read that between 1904 and 1940, possibly three to four billion trees were lost. Is that correct? That's correct. Approximately 4 billion trees were all along, envision the uh, Appalachian mountain range, eastern part of the United States. About every fifth tree was a chestnut tree, American chestnut tree. Wow. And uh, it, was a, it was a food source, a lumber source. Uh, the chestnut trees would grow 80 feet tall, or actually 80 to 100 feet tall. Um, they used, the, I mean, obviously it was a food source, but also... Uh, the uh, chestnut wood was rot resistant, so in the I don't know 1700s, 1800s, a lot of uh, of uh, found foundations for barns used uh, chestnut wood. Fence posts were uh, made with uh, chestnut wood, and uh, it's just a, a it's a it's a really um, they used to call it the the giant tree um, in the in the United States here mm. in North America and the fact that it, it would grow a hundred feet tall and some of the trees would be 10 feet in diameter. Wow. Uh, yeah. Amazing. You know, aside from the food value, uh, the wood source for cabin logs or furniture, fence posts, railroad ties. Amazing. Roger, when these, uh, when these trees died and by the way, for our listeners, uh, why did these trees die? Let's start there. Okay. Um, in the, in the late 1800s, um, the uh, a Japanese uh, tree was being propagated in Pennsylvania, and uh, from that uh, Japanese chestnut tree, um, it had the fungus, the chestnut blight, and uh, it just caught on. And uh, the American chestnut had no defenses for the uh, chestnut blight; it was not blight resistant, and hence. Just as you had mentioned, most of the uh, there's a few American chestnut trees that have survived, but the majority uh, died between 1904 and 1940. Wow! 
<laughs> and I would think, Roger, that with this uh, amazing tree, the American chestnut, almost a perfect tree, producing food and lumber, it's massive, fast-growing, and as you mentioned, rot-resistant. Uh, when these trees died, many of them probably were harvested, and I would think that uh, you would find them probably in hardwood floors in older homes across the East Coast, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've heard them. I've, we found wood in barns. I haven't heard too much about um, chestnut wood being uh, found as flooring, but uh, that's a possibility as well. So we move forward now. We had this uh, we had this event with American chestnuts, and we lost billions of trees. There's a revival now of sorts, and uh, yes, there is. You are one of those growers, and Michigan is a very important state when it comes to growing chestnuts. Correct. Mm-hmm. And what we're what we're doing is uh, we're the cooperative. Uh, we have a vision of growing a commercial chestnut industry in the United States. Um, right now in Michigan, we have the most registered acres of chestnut orchards in the United States. Wow. And, and they're, and it's growing cause we've got a lot of, of, um, over the last probably, well, last five, last five years, uh, approximately 20,000 new trees have been planted in orchard setting. So we have uh, many orchards that will be coming online as we go forward in the future. Boy, that's fantastic. And as a, as a grower and president, and by the way, folks, we're chatting with Roger Blackwell. He's a grower and uh, a chestnut grower and president of the co-op of Chestnut Growers, Inc. Roger, uh, let me guess that uh, potentially as chestnut growers and as you develop the business, is China a competitor? Well, okay, and I'm I'm, I'm laughing because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm okay. To to put this in perspective, China produces; they have the most production in the world. Okay, they have over fifty percent of the production of chestnuts by far. So um, it would be a long time before uh, Michigan or the rest of the United States catches up with the pro- yield production of chestnuts. Sure. So um, the point to be made here is that China cranks out a lot of chestnuts. Yeah, they have a lot. Of, the Chinese uh, uh, chestnut tree does well in China. And actually, the, the I, I just want to step back. There's four major chestnut types of, of or species grown the world, around the world. And one is the American chestnut, two is the Chinese, three is the European, and four is the Japanese uh, species of chestnuts. And uh, uh, we're growing in Michigan here a European um, cultivar slash Japanese, which is um, pretty blight resistant in most cases, although we do have some blight occurring here in, in Michigan. But it's definitely m- much more blight resistant than uh, the American chestnut. And then just to add to that, the American chestnut, we're, there's a lot of research and there's a lot of things going on in the United States to bring back the American chestnut. And they're actually looking at crossing uh, the Chinese chestnut tree with the American chestnut tree. So it, it, it also becomes blight resistant and will, will grow. And there's, there's a few forests that, re, that are being repopulated right now with a 
Chinese or American chestnut cross um, that the verdict is still out, but it seems to be producing very, growing very well at this point. The, uh, the trees that you're growing in orchards for chestnut production then uh, look very different than those American chestnuts uh, that were across the East Coast and the American landscape in the early 1900s, correct? These are smaller trees? Yeah, they're, well, in, in, to put it in perspective, as I mentioned, the American chestnut tree would grow 80 to 100 feet tall. The European-Japanese cultivar that many of us are growing in our orchards in Michigan will grow about 35 feet tall and about 35 feet wide. And they have, um, they produce a larger nut than the American chestnut, and they also um, are, have a high-yield um, proportion of production per acre uh, with, our, with our chestnut, I call it a chestnut crop. The majority of the chestnuts that are harvested, are they sold just as chestnuts or are they turned into flour? Or are they turn, how, are, how do people usually find these consumed? Mostly, mostly right now, we are our production is such that um, it's all it's all sold for primarily as fresh. We are working on some value-added products like chestnut flour, and uh, also we we have uh, we make a a uh, oven-dried roasted chestnut chip, and we have uh, several breweries that buy the uh, chestnut chips. And remember, I said it's more like a grain. Yeah, so they're using it. As more as a grain in the in the brewing process to make chestnut beer. Cool. Um, we just Jolly Pumpkin is a is a big um, uh, provider of chestnut beer. Um, we have several breweries across across. Actually, it's across the country. We had a ten. Oh, we have a, a brewery up in uh, Mont Quebec, Montreal, Quebec, um, that makes primarily only makes gluten free beers. And they make a red ale, which is a gluten-free beer as well. Interesting. Fantastic. So we're not just roasting chestnuts over an open fire. (laughs) There's many uses uh, for chestnuts. Uh, Roger, we got to let you go here, but I did want to ask you as as a grower and president of the co-op Chestnut Growers, Inc., how many different chestnut growers are there right now in the state of Michigan approximately? Well, in in our co-op, there's 37 growers in our cooperative and there's probably um there may be about 80 80 to there could be 80 to 100 growers across the straight across the state who are growing chestnuts wow fantastic Orchards. Yeah. and uh yeah. roger any uh website you want to share or your farm where uh, where is your chestnut orchard <clears throat> or farm Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, well, two, thi two things I want, I want to put in a plug for Meyer. Meyer currently has chestnuts, and they're not, there's not a lot, but they're in one-pound bags with our Chestnut Growers, Inc. company on it. Okay. And they're, they're very good this year, and uh, they go fast. But they were, they were in there last week, and they're, they're available in the, in the Meyer markets. We're in other markets, too, across the state. But, okay. Uh, probably... 95% of our chestnuts are being uh, and handled in, in the market. That's great. And Roger, market. your orchard is located where? <laughs> It's over uh, in Montague, about five miles um, west of Rothbury, and uh, about two miles from Lake Michigan. Fantastic. Roger Blackwell, grower and president of the co-op Chestnut Growers, Inc. Roger, thanks so much for joining us and sharing some information on chestnuts. We appreciate it. Hey, happy holidays, Rick, and thank you very much for the opportunity. All right. To your audience. Same to thank you. you. Thank you, Roger. Appreciate that. When I roast chestnuts, I always worry about overdoing it and having them blow up. But uh, there's a way around that, too. I know so. it. I know it. Slice them. Yeah, exactly. Slice them. <laughs> the news is next. Stay tuned after the news. We're going to talk reindeer with Dave Aldrich. Chuck Latour stands by. The news next. Stay tuned. Hey, kids, you know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen? Wood Radio's Flowerland Garden Show is on the air on News Radio Wood 1300 at 106.9 FM. Ho, ho, ho. It's the Flowerland Show. It rhymes. Did you guess that? Yeah. It rhymes. Yeah. How long did you have to practice that? I mean, Doug and I did our part. <laughs> Rick, Doug, Christie on your Saturday morning. Engineer, producer extraordinaire John Ilk and Dusty Miller. Hey, we'll line up some phone calls, too. Open up the phone line. 616-774-2424. That's 616-774-2424. To start off this half hour, our friend Dave Aldrich from Rooftop Landing Reindeer Farm joins us here on the live line. Uh, Dave, good morning. Always good to talk to you. Good morning, Rick. We know it's Christmas good. when we talk to Dave. <laughs> you know what? We've even got a little snow coming today to kind of make it a little more Christmassy. It feels like Christmas out there. It really does. Yeah. And, uh, of course, some of the beautiful and wonderful reindeer 
that uh, you have, Dave, are coming to the Alpine Flower Land today. By the way, Dave, I wanted to mention to you, I noticed this yesterday. These guys, uh, these guys are very professional. And, and Christy, do you know what uh, the reindeer use to wipe off the sleigh with? The reindeer wipe off the sleigh? Yes, the reindeer wipe off okay, the sleigh. Okay, Rick, what do the reindeer use to wipe off the sleigh? They use sanitizer. <laughs> Wouldn't that kill Santa? <laughs> Have you ever heard that one, Dave? <laughs> yeah. yeah most of yeah. He's heard them all. Yeah, I'm That's sure you've heard one. them all. That's a good one. That's timely. Timely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Dave, for our listeners, tell uh, tell our listeners first about Rooftop Landing Reindeer Farm, where you're located. I know that your your reindeer have been featured in all kinds of newspapers and magazines and trade journals. Uh, you've got some pretty famous characters there on the farm. <laughs> yeah, this this we're going into our thirty first year with reindeer. So, and they do travel a bit. We do quite a few events around the state of Michigan for. Oh, chambers of commerce and and businesses and you know government agencies and things like that. So we travel with them. The two you've got coming today are two females, a mother daughter team. It's Velvet and her daughter Mary. Hmm. And I'll give you a little secret: they're both expecting calves in the spring. Wow! Fantastic. So we're pretty excited about that. So, so Velvet um, and Mary will be at the Alpine Flowerland today from noon to three. Noon to three. So bring the kids, the grandkids. Dave, I I noticed again yesterday. I'm always amazed. Uh, these are majestic animals, but they are so friendly to kids. Why is it? Why are rain? Why are your reindeer so friendly to kids? Well, we actually start training them the first hour they're born. So they're we're with them when they're born. Well, the reindeer think of us as just other reindeer because we're with them pretty much all the time. Mm-hmm. So the mothers have all been through the same process, the training process. So we're with them when they deliver their calves. We let the mother clean them off and uh, bond with them for a few minutes. We make sure that they uh, nurse good off the moms. And then after they're a couple hours old, they're starting to walk around a little bit. And that's when the training starts. We actually put hands on them, let them get used to our smell and our feel. We play with their feet. So when they have to have their hooves trimmed when they're older, you know, they're used to uh, having their feet worked with. Put our fingers in their mouths in case, you know, when at some point we'll have to give them some medication or something. They're used to us messing around with their mouth there. How, how so you long? can des- desensitize them to the human touch. Who is your oldest reigning reindeer, as it were? Uh, the oldest one now might be Velvet, actually. Really? Um, yeah, she's nine years old. Oh. Um, so she's got uh, quite, a, quite a few more years in her. They live much longer here in this country than where they come from, which is the Arctic reason. reason. Well, because you take good care of them. <laughs> well, they get they get proper food. And, uh, uh, you know, nutrition's important for them. Uh, we can monitor that. Of course, they get vet care if they need them. And, of course, the climate's uh, a lot nicer here. You know, they're used to 50, 60 below zero where they come from. Whoa. So, you know, even our 30 below wind chills are... Whoa. They're like going, eh, big deal, eh, big deal. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll actually get up on our hill and look into the wind when it gets uh, very cold. 
you know, they like to take in that cold air. So wow, uh, you can hardly ever get them in the barn in the winter. They they want to stay right out in the worst of the weather. We're uh, so. we're talking to Dave Aldrich, uh, rooftop landing reindeer farm, and uh, two of his reindeer will be at the Alpine Flower Land today from noon to three. I noticed with the rain reindeer yesterday, Dave, that uh, you know what. Again, Christy, you know what the reindeer say when when people walk up and take their picture? Cheese? No. Click, click, click. Oh. <laughs> up on the rooftop, right? <laughs> if you listen, these these if jokes you listen. are just getting worse. <laughs> if you listen when they're there today, when you see them, listen to them walk around, if it's real quiet, you can hear that clicking in their feet. Yeah, that's it's fabulous. It really is. Dave, yep. do, you, do you ever have a problem with any of the reindeer getting on the roof of the barn or the house or whatever, getting away from you? No, we pretty much uh, try to keep them down in the pasture there. You know, <laughs> we've got that big hill they can climb on, so that kind of keeps them happy. Um, you know, with this snow coming today, you know, the pressure is going to start to fall here shortly. Mm-hmm. Uh, barometric pressure and that's what uh, kind of excites the reindeer they're, they're the opposite of humans you know humans when the pressure falls they you know we get aches and pains and headaches and stuff exactly. but with the reindeer reindeer it's just the opposite they want to dance they get, <laughs> they get so excited yeah they get to running around chasing each other and it's like a bunch of kids out there wow that is how many, amazing how many do you have out there then there's 14 out there 14. right now so we've wow. got hopefully five expecting oh wow and we're hoping to bring two in from Alaska in the spring, but uh, it, that's not an easy chore. They're they're the most regulated animal in the country, so um, there's a lot of government involvement. So we've mm. been working with them for about a year trying to get some brought down, but uh, it's we still got a ways to go. <laughs> we could pretend they were a new breed of dog and smuggle them down. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> they have to have uh, have to be inspected at both ports up up there when they leave and then again down here when they arrive by the USDA. They're so cute and they're so gentle. That's what they remind me of is like a big dog. They're just very they're all they're basic they're kind of affectionate actually you wouldn't think of that when you think of the reindeer when you think of the word deer you think of a wild animal but they're very very lovey and very affectionate. Yeah reindeer are are, uh, they're closer in their mind to a horse than they are a deer. Um, they learn their names and they'll respond to some simple voice commands. So, in, in a sense, they're somewhat like a dog, as they'll bond with a human. Okay. Like a dog will. That's so, cool. Yeah, yeah that's they're crazy. a fun animal. Dave Aldrich, uh, rooftop reindeer farm, and uh, he he and his reindeer will be at the Alpine Flowerland uh, today, noon to three. And of course, you get a chance also to feed the deer, which is always fun. And uh, Dave, of course, if a reindeer gets a stomach ache, you give it elk a seltzer, right? Oh, yeah, you got it. That's right. Is that a new one on you? No, nope. he's oh. heard that one too. <laughs> You've been studying, haven't you? I have been studying. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Dave, always fun to talk to you. We hope you have a wonderful day. I know this is a very busy time of the uh, year for you, but with the snow falling. We're looking forward to your reindeer along with Santa and Mrs. Claus at the Alpine Flowerland today from noon to three. Dave, thanks for what you do. We appreciate it. And this being small business Saturday, we hope we're all busy this afternoon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Dave. Have a great day. You bet. Take care. Thank you. Appreciate it. Dave Aldrich, Rooftop Reindeer, will be at the Alpine Flowerland noon to three.
three, and that, Santa and Mrs. Say, Claus. That dude in the red suit's going to be there to keep him in line anyway. So. I posted a picture of him with me yesterday. He's holding his stomach. He said that uh, Rick, Doug, and Christy cause him some indigestion. Never. <laughs> We're perfect little elves. Yeah, hey, that's it. You know what the reindeer use to clean their barn? Sanitizer. No. Sanitizer. No. Comet. <laughs> no, that's what they used to clean Comet. the sink. <laughs> we'll be right back. Our number, 616-774-2424. We'll open up the phone lines here on the Flowerland Show. Stay tuned. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It's Open Lawn Saturday, and the Flowerland Garden Show is taking your calls now at 616-774-2424. Now more of Wood Radio's Flowerland Garden Show. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Okie dokie, arty chokey, that's what it's doing outside right now. Beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Rick, Doug, Christy, Dusty Miller. On your Saturday morning. I'm having one of those freak out moments. Why? <laughs> Do you know that if you gave all the gifts in the 12 days of Christmas in the correct quantity, it would add up to 364 gifts? <gasps> and there's 364 days besides Christmas. Is that weird or what? <laughs> Somebody was doing some math. <laughs> That's bizarre. Let's just let snow. Let it snow. <laughs> Coming up at the top of the hour, Rex Corson will talk growing evergreens, evergreen trees, Christmas trees. Is there, Doug, is there a shortage of Christmas trees this year? They've been saying that for a while, right? Exactly. I mean, Tough uh, question. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose if you get to the end of the season, there's no trees, there's a shortage. So. <laughs> Well, we're going to ask uh, Rex. We seem to have plenty, Rick. Uh, about that. Yes, we do. And we do. they smell wonderful. Yeah. I posted yeah. a picture yesterday of Doug with a, uh, man, that had to be like a 10 or 12 foot tall Fraser fir. 
Yeah, you and I sold it right after you walked away, too. Wow. So, but uh, I got lots of nice comments on that picture. Thank you for all those comments. 616-774-2424. Well, I know you work, uh, you work especially hard this time of the year in lugging those trees. That's, that gets to be backbreaking older. work. Because we're getting older. Yeah, we're getting older. <laughs> no question about it. 616 for yourself. Seven seven. Okay, four, you aren't. Twenty-four, twenty-four. Our number. The uh, shipwreck legend, of course, of Michigan's famed Christmas tree ship. Uh, that sunk a hundred and nine years ago uh, this week, and I noted uh, the legend of the Christmas tree ship in my book. I need to change my plants, uh, but that occurred. I think it was something like November twenty-third. Yes, November twenty-third. Of, uh, of 1912 in Lake Michigan, loaded with Christmas trees and, uh, and sunk to the bottom. But uh, a hundred. They're on their way to Chicago. And on their way to Chicago, exactly. A uh, hundred and nine years ago in the wreck of the Christmas tree ship. It, uh, yeah, just when you talk about Great Lakes lore. Uh, you know, I myself, every Christmas Eve, go to the shoreline looking for you know, the ghost ship, as they call it, with tattered sails riding low in the water. They say you can see it on Christmas Eve, but I've never seen it. I'll bring some rum punch. We'll see a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> and that may be the case. Maybe you should come along uh, this year, <laughs> Christy. 616-774-2424, our number here on the Flowerland Show. Let's talk to, I believe it's Bo in Fruitport. Bo, good morning. You're on the Flowerland Show. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, I have a real quick question for you. Um, me and my wife just per- uh, just purchased our first house. and uh, Congratulations. ownership. Thank you. Thank you. Um, um, but we noticed there's vines everywhere. Um, they're coming out of the ground. Um, they're looping around um, all the... Uh, existing forest, if you will. Um, they, they've already killed quite a few trees. Um, I've, I've chopped a lot of them down, but I'm wondering, is there a way to treat those, and what should I do uh, to stop them from growing? So it looks like the previous homeowner had, had cut some before. You know, I could see some um, old cut marks, and then the vines would just keep growing out of, like, a side shoot. So I mm. just don't know if there's a way to get rid of this stuff. The uh, can you describe the vines a little bit, Bo? Are they woody vines or are they herbaceous, where they're like a green vine? No, they're they're, they're a wood. They 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 look like a, a tree, a tree root coming yes, right out. Sure. Of the ground. Yeah. yeah. Um. It, a lot of people compare them to like wild. They'll call, say, "Well, it looks like a wild grapevine exactly. or something like that." And there is a way to control those. Um, ideally this, you know, we would do this in the fall, but some people will do it in the spring just to knock them back good. You cut them off a couple inches above the ground and you take a straight brush killer and you put that, you brush that on that fresh cut. Now that's best done in the fall because it moves down into the root system, but to stop them from, from gaining any traction, you could do it again in the spring. Oh, Okay. The only, so, so just a, a brush killer, uh, right, cut but, it off and put it right on the top. Correct. We're not going to mix it with water or anything. You're going to buy a concentrate, and you're going to put it right on that fresh cut. Oh, perfect. Excellent. And that should uh, – now, it's spread all over the yard. If I, if I start in an area, will, will that kill the rest of it if it's all tied together? Well, it'll, it'll, kill, any, it'll kill the root system. You, a lot of people find that they have to pull the old dead stems and out of the trees. that's the tough part. And I've, that's the hard part. Yeah. I've tumbled over numerous times trying to pull that out of a tree. But, yeah. uh, yes. Yes, you would pull yeah, it. Yeah, 
it's a nightmare trying to get out. We we have a couple crab apple trees, and I tell you, it's it's fun for the kids to do. If they have en- extra energy, I tell them go out and try to pull all the vines out of the trees. But, they swing on them, and yeah, yep. But, well, and of course uh, you Tarzan and all that. But hey, I appreciate all the help, guys. I will definitely pick that up and uh, get that going. All right, thanks, Bo. And of course, you want to make sure that you're not dealing with poison ivy. Uh, but if you're dealing with the wild type grapevine, that yep. is that big quite common. woody looking. Yeah, yeah, it's very common in, in Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, you can swing like Tarzan through the trees, but if you cut it off at the base, that's really not hard work. And then brushing on, like right. you mentioned, Christy. The only uh, difference is in the spring when you cut those, it's almost like water coming out of a faucet. They're mm. full of liquids. Wow. Frank's calling from Ionia this morning. Uh, Frank, good morning. You're on the Flowerland Show. Uh, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Um, good morning. I was just wondering uh, where can I where could I purchase a chestnut tree? Well, we would have next spring for you. Um, that's something that's you, interesting. You would. Uh huh. Yep. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic. When I can, I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Okay. Yep. You will have them then yep. in the spring then? Yep. Okay. Yep. Thanks very much. Thanks, Frank. Appreciate it. 616-774-2424, our number here on the Flowerland Show. We talked about chestnut trees. Interestingly enough, you shared with me this past week, Doug, that Georgia could become the citrus state with yeah. longer seasons and warming temperatures. There's a number of growers who are betting on citrus as a business in the peach state, but growing citrus in Georgia. Yeah, that kind of caught me off guard. And, you know, you think, it, like, like you were talking about, there's frost and, and cold. Yeah, it gets but very it cold. It sounds like I've been in Atlanta in nasty, nasty There's quite cold a movement to, uh, to grow the citrus there just because of kind of like what we were talking about earlier with chestnuts, you know, the viruses and diseases. And, and it seems like that's a better place to go with some of these, uh, you know, fruit diseases that they get. Yeah, because of the, uh, the virus and diseases right. that they have in Florida. Right. Uh, farmers across the country of course, confronting a changing climate. And the southern growers, uh, they're essentially saying in Georgia that they're not having the long period of deep freezes that they used to get. And so they're experimenting with, uh, with growing more citrus in Georgia. So it's moving north. Pretty interesting stuff. Uh, coming up, uh, don't don't buy the don't buy the land for your orange grove just yet here in Michigan. <laughs> coming up at the top of the hour, we'll talk Christmas trees and evergreen trees as we get into the Christmas mood here on the Flowerland Show. A reminder: Santa and Mrs. Claus and the reindeer at the Alpine Flowerland today from noon to three. Christy, you told me something interesting about Jingle Bells. Yeah, I, I was looking at some Christmas stuff. Jingle Bells was the first Christmas song ever played in space. 
on December 16, 1965. Really? It was the first Christmas song they ever played in space was Jingle Bells. 1965. Yeah. So that would have been, what, the Gemini program? Who was? I, the... I wasn't born yet, so you're looking <laughs> at the wrong person. <laughs> well, you can use the search engine of your choice <laughs> okay. to, in today's day and age and find that out. We'll do that at the top of the hour during the break and figure out who uh, who that was that played Jingle Bells in space. Doug, we're going to talk to Rex Corson. Uh, mm-hmm. He's uh, an amazing gentleman who has been in the industry for years uh, and knows Kind of born into bit. it, so yeah, he's been in there forever. Exactly, yeah. about yeah. growing evergreens and about growing Christmas trees. Uh, so we'll chat with him coming up here at the top of the hour. And in the uh, next hour also, uh, we'll talk about Christmas lights and, uh, oh, I dug up my cannas this past week, and they're beautiful. I have a robust harvest of cannas. Are you giving them away? I'll give some away. Okay. I'll take some in, and I'll plant them. <laughs> I love cannas. Chuck Latour stands by. We're going to update you with the news at the top of the hour. We'll chat with Rex Corson. That's all coming up here on the Flowerland Show. Good morning. These guys have been decomposing for years. The Flowerland Garden Show is playing live on News Radio 1300 and 1069 FM. Rocking around the Christmas tree at the Christmas party hop. And good morning, my friends, across the fruited and rooted plain. Hey, don't forget, you can get that Flowerland Show podcast to share with friends and neighbors and family. Right there at MyFlowerLand.com. Check out the blog, too, and so much more at MyFlowerLand.com. Rick Doug Christie on your Saturday morning, left to right across your radio dial. Engineer producer extraordinaire John Ilk at the controls. And Dusty Miller is there behind the glass. Thanks, Dusty. It's the Flowerland Show, your Saturday morning. I was standing next to Santa yesterday, and he was holding his stomach, and somebody snapped a picture and I posted it on Facebook and said Santa confided in me that sometimes Rick, Doug, and Christy cause him to worry because they can be naughty. Never. I thought he was laughing at the joke he told so hard that he's holding it. (laughs) It's one of Rick's jokes. He wouldn't be laughing that hard. (laughs) Gabrielle says that's why we listen. Bob says uh, Bob says is that can or are naughty Mm. and Cheryl says oh yes very naughty but nice. So thank you very much. All right, to kick off this hour, we're going to talk Christmas trees and evergreens. As a matter of fact, uh, hoping to learn a little bit about growing evergreen trees. Rex Corson joins us here on the live line from Corson's Tree Farms. Uh, Rex is a uh, graduate of Michigan State University, and he served on the Michigan Christmas Tree Association Board of Directors for a number of years, including as uh, president, and of course also provides many beautiful, fresh-cut Christmas trees throughout our great state and beyond, including some of those great trees that you see at Flowerland. And wreaths and greens, too. And That's a big part of their company. And greens, too. You're right. Rex, good morning to you. 
Good morning. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, always good to talk to you, Rex. Uh, what kind of year did we have? I'm, you know, right off the bat, I'm going to ask you the question. <laughs> go right to it. Yeah, I'm going to go right to it because, you know, in the, in today's day and age, all we do is talk about shortages and shortages. <laughs> and I'm sure your trees aren't tied up in some port on the West Coast. But is there a Christmas tree shortage or not? I would say that the supply of trees is definitely tight. Um, I, I think most growers that I know, they pretty actively um, manage their inventory. So, um, from year to year, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a challenge the last two or three years for us, but what we do is we've got our longtime customers like you guys that we just really make sure that we manage that inventory and don't harvest too many in one year. And then you're going to be short the next. So, um, we're able to supply the trees to our longtime customers that they need, to, uh, to be able to supply, you know, the, the families that have traditionally come in and got trees from you guys. So I, it's, it's the supply definitely is tight but i think if uh you know if people want a real tree they're going to be able to go out and find it um i just I wouldn't wait too long would be my advice absolutely Obviously. you're not going to find one christmas eve probably right right <laughs> you're definitely not going to do that if you procrastinate you're not going to find one. yeah Maybe a yeah. Charlie Brown tree. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, obviously, it's not something we pull off the shelf. It's not manufactured in a factory. So am I correct in the assumption that possibly if there were a shortage of Christmas trees, it's something that's rooted in something that happened eight to ten years ago? I mean, how long does it take to get a tree to marketable size, Rex? Well, that's exactly it. That's the, you know, the challenge of, of our industry is we're planting trees, you know, this year that we're not going to harvest for eight to 10 years. Um, so you're always trying to find that right balance. And, and you know, part of the, the, the supply being a little bit tight right now is, is there was, you know, maybe too many trees on the market a few years back. So um, growers cut back, uh, you know, their plantings a little bit to kind of match what they were selling. And, and then, uh, you know, you get to, uh, you know, down the road, eight to 10 years, uh, you get to, to, to harvest and, and now supplies are a little bit on the tight side. So it's a challenge in our industry, but, um, you know, one that we just, we try to make our, our uh, best decisions to try and forecast into the future and, and, and hopefully we get it right. Yeah, absolutely. Now, of course, Evergreen Farms here in the state of Michigan and beyond, including Corson's Tree Farms, uh, not only provide benefit to us with the tree that you're going to tie to the top of your car today and take home, but these uh, evergreen farms, of course, generate a lot of oxygen and sanctuary for wildlife uh, and, uh, and are important, of course, to our economy also, no question about it. Well, yeah, it, it, I was doing a little research in anticipation of this, and I was surprised to learn that Christmas trees, not what we think of necessarily as a Christmas tree, Christmas trees are grown in all 50 states. Hmm. And there's approximately 350 million trees that currently in various stages of growth in the United States, covering 350,000 acres of land. Wow. And that provides enough oxygen for 18 adults on a daily basis. But what surprised me the most is, is that most people don't think of cut Christmas trees as a crop, and they are. They're a crop that's grown just like corn and soybeans, and we're not going out in the woods and chopping down Absolutely. Mother Nature's trees. This is this is actually a farming process. Important to our economy, aren't they, Rex? Yeah, they definitely are. And, and uh, like Christy said, uh, for every tree that's harvested, um, growers are planning at least one um, to replace that, uh, you know, down the road. So it's, uh, you know, a, a, a renewable, recyclable product. And it's the, the great thing about our um, our industry and the and the, uh, the trees that we grow is, is uh, the, the benefit that they bring to the environment. 
and uh, and it's uh, like you say, a hundred percent recyclable, renewable product. So. I have a little Michigan pride thing going on because and found out we're number three in tree production, but Michigan trees produces the largest variety of trees. So we have a lot of different kinds of Christmas trees that we produce in Michigan, and ah. we're number three in the nation in production. Which so. brings me to my next question. I'm going to put you on the spot, Rex. And by the way, folks, we're chatting with Rex Corson. Rex uh, is uh, president of Corson's Tree Farms and uh, also was on the Michigan Christmas Tree Association Board of Directors for a number of years, also as president, and of course serves a lot of advisory committees uh, throughout the industry. Rex, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you have a favorite? Okay. Do you have a favorite Christmas tree? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Um, I would probably say my favorite would be Fraser Fur. Okay. All right. And why? I think that answer's changed over the years, though, Rex. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? I think your answer's changed a little bit over the years. Yeah, I'm sure that it probably has. You know, there are a lot of and a lot of options out there, and it, you know, really just depends on you know your individual preferences. And and uh, the the nice thing about Fraser is uh, you know the the needle retention is really good. The branch structure is is nice. Where it's uh, it's a nice tree to be able to decorate, and uh, the fragrance of the tree is great. So there's uh, just a lot of nice uh, you know attributes attributes and characteristics of the Fraser that make it a, a nice option. But there are a lot of, I mean, a lot of trees out there. And like I say, it just depends on, uh, you know, what your preferences are. Uh, you know, even some people that maybe have heavier ornaments might prefer a blue spruce because they've got strong branches and, and can support those ornaments and um, need a retention on certain species. Like say Scotch pine is really good. So if that's a concern for you, um, that could be a very good option for you. And, and uh, so there's just a, a lot of options. And then like Christy said, um, Michigan uh, grows uh, the widest, uh, you know, variety of trees of any of the producing states in the in the country, and it's definitely an uh, an advantage that growers in Michigan have over some of the other production areas. I did a uh, YouTube video this past week on uh, forgive me, Rex, lifelike trees. Oh, and uh, but <laughs> your point is well taken, and that is there's a there's a phrase that's bantered about or used, and that's called indexing. And indexing are those spaces between the branches where you can hang that favorite ornament and have it hang properly. For example, I love Douglas fir. The aroma are fabulous. But when it comes to hanging ornaments on a Douglas fir, I'd probably prefer a Fraser fir. So again, uh, it's nice to have the variety and it's contingent on the, uh, the so, taste of so the consumer. Since you brought up that you moment... Um, I will tell you this, for people who still have some concerns about cut Christmas trees, even though a crop and they're farmed, you would have to own that lifelike tree for 15 years 
to be as green as cut, doing cut Christmas trees because that's how long it's going to take that thing to break down in a landfill. Mm. So you have to own that lifelike tree for 15 years C-Rex, to be that C-Rex, green. C-Rex, Christy's chewing me out here. <laughs> so you don't have to do it. She's chewing me out. Rex Corson, Corson's Tree Farms. Rex, I know it's a very busy time of the year, but are you willing to hold the line a moment here? Because I want to talk to you for our listeners about growing evergreens and also whether or not gypsy moth is a problem for you as a Christmas tree grower. Uh, can you hold the line for a moment? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks so much. Rex Corson, yep. Corson's Tree Farms. We'll uh, take a quick break here on the Flowerland Show, cultivate a little commerce, and then be right back with more. We'll, uh, we'll chat a little bit about growing evergreens, give you a education on that while Rex will, and uh, see whether or not gypsy moth was a problem for them in this past year. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. pheasants, Christmas presents. Wood Radio's Flowerland Garden Show is on the air on News Radio Wood 1300 and 106.9 FM. Well, it sure feels like it outside today. It looks like it, too. Rick Doug Christie on your Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us. Hey, look for Flowerland in social media, Facebook and Instagram. Also, myflowerland.com. Okay, we're chatting with Rex Corson, Corson's Tree Farms here in Michigan. And uh, Rex, of course, uh, along with being a grower and owner of a Christmas tree farm, Evergreen Farm, uh, has also served the uh, industry well uh, throughout the United States. And as we mentioned in that previous segment, Christmas trees being an important part of our economy as well as our environment. Rex, uh, right off the bat, growing evergreens this year, I know our listeners would want me to ask you this question Last week, we had an arborist on the uh, show, and we talked about how gypsy moth affected not only oak trees, but many types of trees, including <laughs> evergreens. Any problems uh, on your farm or other farms that you've heard of that have been afflicted by gypsy moth? So we haven't had any issues with gypsy moth, and I haven't talked with any other growers that have had any issues with it actually, like, say, affecting um, the trees. Um, the challenge that we have and where we have to be careful is we ship trees um, outside of the area where that's um, in the country that's infested with gypsy moth. Mm-hmm. So it, it becomes uh, essentially a regulatory issue. But what we, do, what we don't want to do is as the, the uh, gypsy moths lay their egg masses, they can lay them down at the under, underneath kind of the base along the trunk of the tree. And so what we don't want to do is we don't want to harvest and ship a tree. And, and move it into an area that doesn't currently have gypsy moth. So that's uh, that's the issue and the challenge on our end. Um, all of our trees are inspected um, by the Department of Ag. Um, so our, our trees are, are looked at, uh, inspected, and, and um, certified that they're free um, of gypsy moth before we ship them. And, you know, one of the nice things in our, our harvest practices, um, if you think about um, cutting a tree and then bringing it out uh, to the drive trail and then, as we wrap the tree up um, coming through the baler, you're looking right at the base of the tree. Sure. And um, as you load it in the field and bring it into the yard, you're looking at it again. So in addition to our inspectors looking for it, 
um, our harvest crews are are having multiple opportunities through the through the harvest and shipping process to look at it to make sure that it's free of gypsy moth. So that's the really the challenge for us is is uh, like I say it's a it's a regulatory type issue where we don't want to spread it to an area that's, that's sure. currently not infested with gypsy moth. Well, it's a it's a form of integrated pest management. In other words, I would suspect that you guys are constantly scouting and looking. Correct. Yeah, we absolutely are for for multiple different issues and and um, pests. I mean, we we do a lot of scouting. Um, you know, looking for things as um, as challenging as, as small as mites, um, which can be incredibly um, difficult to find because of how small that they are. But um, yeah, we, uh, we we definitely spend a lot of time. Um, I've got a couple guys on the farm uh, that uh, you know spend quite a bit of time through the summer. Um, scouting and looking at trees and making sure that we don't have any issues with pest problems. For the homeowner tuned in, Rex, uh, what's the key to growing good evergreens? There's a number of different species that you grow on your farm, but for the homeowner that wants to grow a spruce or a fir or a pine tree in their landscape or a few of them or maybe create a row, in your experience, uh, what would your advice be? What's what's the key to growing good evergreens? Site. Um, making sure that you have the appropriate soil texture um, is a very important thing. Um, making sure that um, it's it's in a site that, that gets a, a reasonable amount of sunlight. You know, if they're if the trees are shaded, they're not going to perform as well. Um, so th- those are those are some of the things that we look at. But I would say the the most important thing is making sure that uh, that your your soil texture um, will allow you to uh, to grow trees. Sometimes, if you're in a, a heavier textured soil, certain species of trees won't perform well um, if it's not a, a reasonably well drained soil. And, and you know, if you're getting serious about it, uh, you know, even taking soil samples. Uh, making sure that the appropriate nutrients are in the soil that trees need, uh, making sure that your pH of your soil uh, matches the species that you are growing. So there, there are a lot of things, but uh, that's the to, to be successful. The most important thing I would say is the site. And how was the season for growth for the evergreens? I mean, we had a very different year. Uh, we went from cool and wet to dry to wet again. And I mean, just everything. I mean, did you experience any different? situations it was actually really uh i mean for us um like you say there were some you know challenges uh we went through some dry stretches but um the species that are sensitive to that um we have irrigation systems so um we're able to irrigate about 400 acres on the farm so those those species that are sensitive to that we can make sure that they uh they get the water that they need um the some the yeah the summer was really um i would say summer and fall i mean the 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 weather i if i could uh, script it it wouldn't be that different than what we had this year i mean uh, the the one the one challenge that we had coming into uh the harvest is um we had warmer temperature than what we would like um it helps the trees to start to go into dormancy um if we have uh, some cooler temperatures before harvest and fortunately right as we got started with harvest we had quite a few um nights where it got really cold and we had some good hard frost which uh, helps with the need of retention on the trees so yeah the the weather this year for from a grow uh, grower's perspective was um was really good i mean i like i say i i, I wouldn't uh, script it that different if i could good his name is Rex Corson, Corson's Tree Farms here in the state of Michigan. Rex, of course, very active also in the industry, the Christmas tree industry. Rex, uh, I wanted to ask you if there is talk within the industry of climate change or effect of any kind of climate change. Uh, is that uh, a topic within the industry? Um, we It's discussed a little bit, especially some of the production areas out west. 
Um, and, and I think they're, they're, they're seeing some, some challenges and, and some weather patterns that are different than what they typically have had. And, and, uh, so that's, it's, it's something that we're starting, yeah, starting to, uh, to, to be something that we're looking at a little bit more. And, and, um, the, you know, the variability and, and weather, even here in Michigan, um, it can be challenging for us um, coming through, you know, the winter. If we have extreme changes in temperature, um, can be challenging and, and um, can do damage to, you know, the bud, uh, bud tissue on the trees and can affect their growth in the upcoming season and, and potentially cold temperatures during the early part of the season um, where we can have frost damage. So, yeah, there's, there are definitely issues and challenges uh, with the weather that, uh, that, that we you know, we, we, we discuss and we talk about, um, and it, it's, it's, it makes it, it's another uh, a challenge that I would say that growers have. What, what, I mean, what determines, I guess, as a general rule, what is the mix of trees that you grow percentage-wise? Is the Fraser fir becoming the predominant tree that you produce? It's the largest, the uh, highest percentage of tree that we grow, but um, I like to maintain a, a, a diversity in the planting stem that we that we put in. So, just in case there are challenges or issues with a certain species, you've got other ones that you can, you know, that you can to a degree fall back on and and um, and still be able to have a nice supply of trees if, if something does happen to say one species um, compared to another. So, it's like, like we talked earlier. It's one of the advantages that Michigan growers have over some of the other production areas that they like in. in North Carolina is a large production area, and they predominantly grow Fraser fir. Um, it's an advantage that Michigan has to be able to grow multiple species, and if something does happen, um, you know, we're protected um, by that. Well, Rex, I helped uh, Doug unload some of those beautiful trees from Corson Tree Farms at uh, Flowerland. Uh, both Doug and I are getting older here, and every year it becomes more and more difficult. to. Uh, they, claim the, they claim the trees are getting bigger you. and heavier. <laughs> I th- I think so. They are much bigger and much heavier than I remember. Yeah. <laughs> so you're doing a good job, Rex. <laughs> well, I appreciate you. You guys know it's a lot of work, and um, I, I, I really appreciate uh, that the the positive feedback and the quality of the trees. It means a lot to us. Fantastic, Rex Corson, Corson's Tree Farms, uh, beautiful uh, Christmas trees, and you'll find them at Flowerland Stores. Rex, uh, enjoy your weekend. Take care, and I know it's a busy time of the year. But uh, Merry Christmas to you, and uh, hope all is well. Thank you. You guys have a Merry Christmas, too. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much, Rex. We'll uh, take a break here on the Flowerland Show. Chuck Latour will update us with the news in the next half hour. You know what? We're going to play something new. We're going to do the Christy Miss Quiz. You you can't get that out right. (laughs) Christy Miss. Christy Mass. The Christmas quiz. The Christmas quiz. And a good word of the day, too, that i got to share with you. Add to your portfolio. And our number is 616-774-2424. It's Rick Doug Christie on your Saturday morning. Stay tuned. It's Open Lawn Saturday. And the Flowerland Garden Show is taking your calls now at 616-774-2424. Now more of Wood Radio's Flowerland Garden Show. Spirit falls again, fill up the stocking. We may be rushing things, but deck the halls again now. And here it comes, yeah! That's right. You got it. Dusty's in the spirit over there. And we do. Right this very minute. It hasn't snowed a single part. I said I'd do it. 
Well, now it's snowing on top of it, so it's all good. Rick, Doug, Christie on your Saturday morning. Engineer, producer extraordinaire, John Ilk at the controls. Thank you, John. And Dusty Miller behind the glass. We're in a party mood here on the Flowerland Show. All right, we got to do uh, Word of the Day. We do that uh, here on the Flowerland Show every week as we educate our friends across the fruited and rooted plain. I've got a great Word of the Day for you uh, today. As a matter of fact, it was shared with me by a listener and Doug Christie. The Word of the Day is pencil. 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 She says it kind of odd. Pencil. 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 Oh, maybe I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> a pencil is something you write with, Rick. <laughs> now, what was that? Pencil. Where are you coming? Pencil. <laughs> well, I'm going to call it pencil. <laughs> it's not spelled P-E-N-C-I-L, but rather P-E-N-S-I-L-E. Pencil or pencil. Pencil. Or as she says, pencil. It actually pencil. sounds a little better. Anyhow, the definition is suspended from above, hanging pendant. Hanging pendant or pendulance. Right? Having or building a hanging nest. Hanging or pendant. Pencil. There you go. And so as you hang those ornaments, Christy, from the tree, you can say that they look quite pencil or pencil that's something I'd say all the time. <laughs> Pencil up. Yeah. So uh, let's talk to Dusty here a minute. Uh, Dusty Miller behind the glass. Hey, Dusty, I think we're feeling uh, like gift giving here. I think we're going to give away a Flowerland gift certificate. Yeah, let's open up Dusty's mic there a minute. Uh, Dusty, we're going to give away uh, a Flowerland gift certificate. All right. Well, we have Larry on the phone here, so maybe... Maybe he'd be interested. Well, we'll, we'll chat with Larry about his question, but what I'm going to do is we're going to play something I call the Christy Miss Quiz. Chris, okay, that's new to me, so I'm anxiously awaiting that one. It's, it's new uh, to us, too. <laughs> yeah, it's new to us, too. It could be disastrous, okay. <laughs> uh, usually I prepare the uh, quizzes, but okay. uh, this week it's going to be Christy. All right, let's we're go, gonna do Christy. Christy Miss <laughs> Quiz. <laughs> So let's take the seventh caller. We'll put you to work over there, Dusty. All the right. seventh caller who calls Dusty can play the Christmas quiz for our Flowerland gift certificate. All right. All right. Yeah. 616-774-2424. What's she doing over there, Dusty? I, I, I have, have little, no idea. I have little gnomes on my scarf. What's that I'm, thing you're wearing? That's a scarf. And it has little gnomes on it, and I'm making them dance. Oh, that's good to the music. I thought it was a piece of ribbon off her tree or something. This no, morning. it's got little gnomes with little hats on. But gnomes are in, dude. All right, get oh, with it. Remember what? We want to be in. Christy, remember what Santa told me yesterday? We give him indigestion. And I told you what I told Santa. If you like them reindeer, I get gifts. <laughs> I know where he lives. Oh, Christy. I know where he lives. All right, let's take this call. Uh, Larry is calling from uh, Grand Rapids. Larry, good morning. You're on the Flowerland Show. Hi there. Hey, Larry. What's up? I have uh, property in Bitely, Michigan, and I have uh, it's hunting property, and I have pine trees 
all over. Okay. It's mainly a pine forest. And my trees are all dying. Wow. Is that the... Is that the gypsy moth? Well, gypsy moth would shear needles off, but the tree wouldn't actually it wouldn't actually die. The tree would have looked fine this spring, and then the needles would almost look like they got chopped off, like somebody took a pair of scissors and clipped them. No, they're they're dying. The trees are dying. So, in your scouting through those trees, when you go through there, what are you seeing? Just dead trees. But is there sap well, you, coming no, out on you, the trunk? Is you there... look at the trunk. You look at the branches. You look for, like Christy said, sap coming out, egg masses, anything like that. What are you seeing? Yeah, they're, they're, they're just turning? Egg masses, yeah. Okay. All right. You know, uh, as we pointed out last week, uh, if, if you had gypsy moth, you would know it, at least if you get to the property uh, uh, quite frequently. Of course, gypsy moth will do their damage in May, June, and July, and then trees will recover from that. Um, no. I, but to have them, I mean, did it come on suddenly? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's possible. And, and right now, it's, uh, my trees are starting to topple. Hmm. Because, of course, you have bark beetles and there are cankers and needle blights and fungal and infections and a variety and... of things that potentially it could be. Uh, but if it were gypsy moth, like I say, you would know it. You would see the black rain, the frass. Uh, you would see the dead uh, carcasses or you would see the tan-colored egg masses at this time of the year. So um, I certainly would... Oh. Uh, might, might require a little more scouting and to, to look for some of the signs that we're talking about to establish what's going on. Okay. Yeah, uh, and good, good luck to you. And if you want to shoot me an email, info at myflowerland.com. That's info at myflowerland.com. I can ask Rex for you also, Larry. Okay. All right? Shoot me an email, right, info at myflowerland.com. We'll try to drill down. Uh, a little further. Thanks for your call. 616-774-2424, our number here on the Flowerland Show. Well, it's that time. We've all been waiting for. It's that time. we got to have some kind of bed music with this, uh, John, because this is special. Yes. Yeah. It's the Christy Mess moment. The Christy Mess quiz. There go my glasses. And uh, it looks like our victim, I mean, uh, our contestant is from Caledonia this morning. His name is John. John, good morning. Good morning. So you feeling smart this morning? Oh, in the snow like this? Oh, yeah, just as smart as ever. Oh, good. <laughs> good. Me too. You're doing better than us then. <laughs> so, John, you're going to play the Christy Miss quiz. As I understand it, she has a multiple choice quiz here for you, and it'll give you an opportunity to win a Flowerland gift certificate. How does that sound? Oh, it sounds awesome, especially this time of year. Wonderful. So, uh, Christy, here you go. It's all up to you. Okay. So we're going to climb into the Wayback Machine. In, uh -oh. in 1939, <laughs> a Montgomery Ward copywriter introduced what beloved Christmas icon back in 1939? Was it A, Rick's Mr. Rogers sweater, <laughs> B, Grandma's green bean casserole, C, Rudolph oh, the Hang on, hang on a minute, Christy. Hang on a minute. John, do you like green bean casserole? Oh, yes, I do. Oh. I had a lot of it yesterday. I <laughs> knew I liked you, yes. And it's great as leftovers, too. It's wonderful. <laughs> okay. Yep, yep. So we got A is Rick's Mustard Rogers sweater, B, Grandma's green bean casserole, C, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, D, the Clapper, 
Or E, Billy Bass. In 1939, <laughs> what Christmas icon was created? I'll bet you, you remember that, don't you, Christy? I don't even remember yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> there you go. That's right. They they created that in 1939. It was it was basically um, <clears throat> a, a marketing thing. But if you think about the population of the United States in 1939, they distributed 2.4 million copies of that story the first year it was in publication. Oh, it was a Montgomery Ward thing. Yeah. it was. Uh, Robert May uh, worked for Montgomery Ward, and it turned out to be very, very uh, popular. And right now, there's a whole bunch of 20-somethings going out there going, what's Montgomery Ward? <laughs> That's right. Don't I shop there a lot. Oh yeah, I remember going to Montgomery Ward with my parents and uh, at Christmas time. It was a it was a happening place. It was a big place. store. Yeah, it was a big double, deal. Yeah, to yeah, get to ride real. the escalator. Yep. And here's a side ten nice uh, a fact. Uh, big Ten Network is based in the old Montgomery Ward building in Chicago. Oh. Mm. But, wow. Yeah, but Montgomery Ward was a huge department store shopping complex yeah. that. Everybody went to basically at one time or another because that was the it place to be. Well, in 1939 it was, and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was a hit. So congratulations, John. You nailed it, and uh, we will get your uh, mailing information and send you a gift certificate. Very good. Appreciate it. All right. You all have a blessed Christmas. Thank right, you, you, you too. too. Merry Christmas, okay. and thanks for tuning gonna, in the flower I'm going to put show. you guys on the spot now. Uh-oh. See. No, oh. not multiple choice. <laughs> between the two of you, between the two of you, yeah. can you come up with the other reindeer's names? No oh. cheating, Rick. <laughs> there's the uh, the sink cleanser comment, right? Yeah. <laughs> and there's Vixen. Well, that's two out of the eight. You missed Rudolph. No, it, well, oh. Rudolph doesn't count. I said oh. the other eight oh. reindeer. Donner and Blitzen. Okay, so now we got four. Donner Comet and Cupid. You're cheating. Comet's already on there. Cupid... Is Dasher uh, Rudolph Valentino? No, Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner, and Blitzen. And Donner and Blitzen were Americanized because it used to be Blutzen. It was <laughs> German. It was Blutzen and Donner. <laughs> so oh, Donner, Donner, oh, Donner. <laughs> <laughs> so, now, but they Americanized it to Donner and Blitzen. So, all right, we'll take a break. Because Santa would say, "On oh, Donner, Donner, <laughs> on oh, Donner." I like that. <laughs> that we'll take a break here on the Flowerland show back with more right after this stay tuned wood radio's flowerland garden show is on the air on news radio wood 1300 and 106.9 fm well my friends we are thankful for you hope you had a great thanksgiving and as we enter this holiday and christmas season we look forward to sharing it with you. Santa and the reindeer at the Alpine Flowerland today, noon to three. Love to see you out there. Yeah, me and him are going to have a long talk because I got some explaining to do. <laughs> Good. Good. Santa, Mrs. Claus, the reindeer. He's only there for two hours. Three hours. Three hours. Oh, three hours. I'll, I'll only take two, Santa. <laughs> oh, Christy. Noon to three at the Alpine Flowerland. Love to see you out there. First visit myflowerland.com. Look for the podcast and so much more. As we do every week. I want to hear you. Let's sing it out. Like a rhinestone cowboy Riding out on a horse in a star-spangled rodeo 
thank you so much. You sound wonderful. Uh, as I'm out and about, I get to run into a number of people who tune in this program on a weekly basis or share the podcast, and uh, you are wonderful folks. Let me tell you, thank you so much for your support and encouragement as well as for tuning in the Flowerland Show and telling other people about it. We appreciate it so much. 616-774-2424, our number here on the Flowerland Show. Frank's calling us from, uh, I'm sorry, John, my mistake. Frank is calling us from Broman uh, this morning. Frank, good morning. Good morning. I, I live five miles from Bightley, and I, I heard Larry talking about uh, his pines. Uh, I, the gypsy moth got our oaks and maples really bad, and then they got into the white pines that I have on my property. Mm-hmm. And the oaks and the maples came back pretty fast. But the white pine, I didn't think they were going to make it. But if you go look at them now, they're starting to get their needles back on them. And I don't believe they're... Uh, done for i think they're going to come back because they're starting to grow they were starting to grow pretty good until we got this real cold cold weather i really appreciate you sharing that with us and i'm sure larry does too frank because that's a confirmation of what we were surmising a little relief there too. little relief yeah. yeah yeah and i would agree with you a hundred percent frank as we chatted with mike connor last week also uh, eventually these populations crash and uh, these trees will make a recovery, but you are correct in your assumption, and that is the deciduous trees uh, come back much quicker than an evergreen tree when it's defoliated. Thanks for your call, Frank. Appreciate that so much. Thanks for sharing with us. Uh, let's see. Robert is calling from Sand Lake this morning. Robert, good morning. Good morning. Robert, you, um, uh, you had a comment on dying trees also? I bought some acreage in Sand Lake, Michigan. Yes. And I ended up taking down about 200 Austrian pine trees. They're infested with pine beetles. Okay. So if you had... They get in the, mi get in the middle of the tree, and they hollow out a nest. And then the tree starts bowing. Sure. And the wind snaps them off. Okay. And if you look right where they're snapped off, you can see the pine beetle nest. Yeah, and I mentioned that also to Larry when he called us, and thanks for your call. Appreciate it. Uh, of course, there are pine beetles, and in, in the case of Austrian pine, uh, very, very susceptible to that. Uh, but because this happened as quickly as it did with Larry, right. it sounds hopefully more like he can send me some pictures, too. It does sound like uh, gypsy moth especially with confirmation there, just five miles from his area. Uh, all right, 616-774-2424, uh, our number here on the Flowerland Show. By the way, if you're stringing up some uh, electric ivy today, I saw that in the news that some communities are applying uh, an ordinance aiming to reduce, quote, pollution uh, by uh, limiting... The number of Christmas lights well, you can put on well, your home well, no, or no. your shrubbery I, this I had, season, yeah. If it wasn't for the fact that I, I know not to drive and try to take pictures at the same time, I was going to shoot a <laughs> video for Doug because I saw a house, and, you know, we love Doug's. Doug has a thing about the decorating style of lighting. I yes. saw a house that looked like literally they took a box of lights out of the attic and pulled them out and threw them up. There was red, green, blue, sure. purple. There was Half-flashing, non-flashing. There was well, traveling lights. There pe was <laughs> people love that. Now, of course, Chevy Chase would have a real problem with a lighting ordinance, right? <laughs> you would. 
But uh, according to this professor of astronomy at the University of Michigan, she said light pollution is light that serves no function or purpose. But Christmas lights do serve uh, a purpose humbug. and a function. <laughs> One of the worst <laughs> things about light pollution is that it really affects the nocturnal environment. So that was really interesting reading about this, uh, this debate and said that human light pollution is leading to declining insect populations. Hmm. Interesting. But, but they do serve a function. I know they do. That's and not fair. Clark Griswold would not like that. I don't like that. I like Christmas tree lights. I like driving. Hey, most through, people do. I like driving through neighborhoods. Most people do. Don't, yeah. don't blame me. Yeah. I'm just reading the news here. That's not news. That somebody, that somebody who didn't get what they wanted for Christmas last year just going, bleh, bleh, bleh. I understand. I understand from a uh, reliable source that we have Santa Claus on the phone. Hey, Santa, are you there? I am there. Mrs. Claus is with me. Oh, Santa Claus. And where are you bound right now, Santa? Uh uh, we're headed to Alpine. We're going to get there. We, we waited for the snow because we wanted to bring some snow with us. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I am looking for... Hey, Santa, uh, has Christy been a good little girl? Uh, we won't discuss that over here. <laughs> I, I'm sitting up straight and I have my hands folded. <laughs> that, that's a good thing to do. <laughs> well, I'd encourage people to see Santa. Santa, this is confirmation that Santa is on his way in to the Alpine Flower Land. Are you really going to go up to Alpine, Christmas? Yes, I am. Oh, Santa, you're in we for a We have lots treat. to talk about. <laughs> All right, yes. I have I alibis. <laughs> Christy, I want to make sure that you leave time for all the boys and girls in Grand Rapids, though. <laughs> <laughs> See, you heard it, Christy. Be a good girl. I all right? do my best. Thank you for what you do, Santa. Looking forward to seeing you this afternoon. Uh, okay, we'll see you a little later. Merry Christmas to everyone. Merry Christmas, Santa Claus. Merry Hon Christmas. Honesty is the best policy, but insanity is the best defense, oh, and that's Christ. what I'm going with. Santa Claus, Mrs. Claus, the reindeer, Alpine Flowerland, noon to three. Join us today and have yourself a safe weekend. I believe we have Michigan football coming up oh, here, yes, too. Oh, yes, we Michigan do. Michigan and Ohio State, so there you go. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Christy. Thanks, John. Thanks, Dusty Miller. And thanks most of all to you, our listeners. Thanks for your support. Don't forget the podcast. Go to myflowerland.com for that and so much more. Be safe. Have a great weekend. See ya. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.